0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So I, I don't accept the blame either for two chapters. This was my assignment given to me. Uh, if you're visiting here, you may not know we are fini- we've been going through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, and uh, today's the second last installment. So we've got chapter 25 and 26 today. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go through it verse by verse, or we'll be here all day. But uh, today we learned about Festus, which is, you know, our beloved neighboring town here in Jefferson County. Do, you, do any of you guys know how Festus got its name? Festus the City. Well, what, what they, yeah, what they, tell me, Crystal City got its name because there was a glass factory yes. there. But Festus... Um, before it was incorporated, was known uh, as first it was known as uh, Limitville, and then it was nicknamed Tanglefoot. Uh, but when they incorporated, they just some people decided we should have a biblical name. Uh, but what they did is they decided to. The story goes that they randomly decided to open the Bible and find the first name that was on that page of the Bible. And that's what they did, and it turned out to be Acts chapter 25. And the first name on the page was Festus, so it's known as Festus, Missouri. (laughs) Now that's kind of a risky, dangerous way to choose a name, right? I don't think we'd want to do that with our children, right? Um, Just for fun, while I was working on the sermon, I I said, I'm going to try this. And I opened the Bible randomly to a page, and I looked at the first name on the page. You know what it was? Molech. I don't know if you know who Molech is, but he's one of the Canaanite gods. He's the one that had child sacrifice. They burned their children in the fire. You know, okay, we're going to do a redo on that one, right? (laughs) But no, they came up with Festus, and that's why, and it's named after this new Roman governor. Now, when Daryl preached last week, uh, we talked, the governor was Felix. And. before I talk about him, um, in this chapters that we just heard Kathy read, so Paul is standing trial again before this new Roman governor called Festus, Porcius Festus. Uh, but I think in reality, it's Festus and also King Herod Agrippa and Bernice, his sister, everybody else around them in the story, in the room, that actually the Lord brings to stand in the presence of paul and that is to hear him tell the good news about the resurrection amen so it may look like paul is on trial here but god is working and paul knows um, it's the other way around Uh, so governor felix had let paul stay in prison for two years he was he was hoping for a bribe from paul not sure why he expected that Paul would have a lot of money. But uh, <clears throat> when Festus comes to replace him, he takes up the case right, right away. And uh, he, he goes to Jerusalem uh, to meet the Jewish people, who are kind of a problematic people for the Romans. Uh, so he wanted to, to establish a relationship with them. And they, they took, tried to take advantage and hatch another plan to assassinate Paul. So they said, well, would you bring him, I want to say down to Jerusalem, because I always think north and south. But in the Bible, they talk up to Jerusalem because it's elevated. And uh, Caesarea is lower, right? So bring him up to Jerusalem uh, to stand trial here. And uh, Festus, to his credit, says, uh, no, why don't you come, come up and hear him in my court? And so uh, they have the hearing, and as we just heard, uh, after hearing all the Jews' accusations of all kinds of wrongdoing, uh, Festus kind of decides, okay, I'll do these Jews a favor, and I'll just suggest, Paul, do you want to go up to Jerusalem to stand trial? And Paul boldly stands on his legal rights and on the truth. Uh, Verse 10 and 11 said this. I'll read it again. Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. And uh, it's a bit of a shocking move. Like, why did he all of a sudden go off like that? Uh, Later at the end of the next chapter, we found out it wasn't necessary. Both kings, uh, the governor and the king, decided he could have been set free uh, if Paul had not appealed. So why did Paul do it? Well, we need to remember... Jesus' words that he told his disciples in Luke 12, verse 11 and 12. Remember this? He said, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Right? And that's what's going on. You know, you think about it, why is it that Paul, the first time when pro- prophecies warned him, uh, you don't want to go to Jerusalem, bad things are going to happen there? He's like, nope, I'm going. Stop this. Don't make me sad, you know? Uh, you know, he was so determined to go to Jerusalem. And this time, he's like, no, don't take me to Jerusalem. My rights, you know, I've got rights. Well, what was the difference? Well, the difference was the Holy Spirit. Paul and the Holy Spirit were strategizing together, I would suggest, right? Because uh, it's, a, it's a team effort, as we've, as we've seen. Uh, God gives us the Holy Spirit. He's the counselor. He's the lawyer in the room, in, in Paul. And um, he and Paul are working together. And, and Paul is going to do what, what his counselor, the Holy Spirit, puts on his heart to say and do. And that's what happened here. And the same thing we can expect will be true for us, because we have the same Holy Spirit that Paul had. And so it was actually uh, that way. You you know, when we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we don't always respond in the orthodox way. Right? It's not always according to human wisdom. Thank goodness, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't give us human wisdom. He gives us his wisdom, wisdom from God. Jesus didn't respond in the orthodox way when he was confronted in different places. And neither will we. Uh, Perhaps Paul had in mind that prophetic word we heard Daryl read last week. Uh, Remember when, uh, or maybe it was the week before, in Acts 23, uh, Paul was on trial In Jerusalem and he was in his jail cell at night and it says the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem so you must also testify in Rome and I'm sure that Paul didn't forget what you know he had a vision of Jesus and Jesus told him you're going to Rome Words of prophecy are important, and if we, if God gives us words of prophecy, we should hang on to them. Because I know, Kathy, and when I was, uh, it was after I was here one year. This was 1992. I was at a men's prayer breakfast, and somebody gave me a prophetic word. Uh, he had me stand up and grab my arms. I've told you this before. He said, "You're going to go to China. Don't be afraid to learn Chinese." and Uh, don't worry, God has taken care of you and sent people to help you in everything you do up to this point in your life. And he's going to continue to do that the rest of your life. And I hung on to that. And Kathy and I, when that was the summer we got to know each other, and we hung on to that. You know, the Lord says, you're going to China. We didn't, like, immediately book our tickets or push, but we started praying, you know, well, Lord, if you want us to go to China, make it happen. You know, and, um, and we did. And, what, and God brought it about. God made it happen. And I can't tell you all the stories along the way, how we were led that way. When we were in China, sometimes you're doing something God tells you to do. It gets discouraging because problems come up, right? But you hold on to that prophecy. No, it's God's will that we be here. Because he told me, he wanted me to go here, right? And so you hang on to prophetic words when you know they're from the Lord. And uh, God wants you to do that. Um, There's a story by Bill, a testimony told by Bill Johnson of one of the early miracles at Bethel where uh, a fellow in their church was in a, well, he had gotten a a prophecy in a service about, I forget, that God was going to do something with him that he, he was gonna have a certain kind of ministry. Like a week or two later, he was in a car accident, he was in the hospital, pretty much dead, like barely clinging to life. In fact, I don't know, he might have died uh, medically. But uh, Bill Johnson went in there and prayed for him. <laughs> He's like, I heard the prophetic word a week ago About the plan that God had for your ministry in the name of Jesus you come back to life you're not done you're not dead and um, and the guy came back and got out of the hospital like a few days later Um, it it was a miracle but but what is that that's standing in faith on God's Word and that's the promises we have in the Bible but it's also prophetic words through the Holy Spirit that are really from him that's also a type of God's word and we stand with them and and Paul is remembering that about this thing you're going to testify in Rome and uh, so anyway at this point in his life Paul is not afraid to die right I don't think so he's been through so much Um, but you know what Paul's foremost motivation in every situation was what and that was to make the most of every opportunity to preach the gospel to anyone who would listen, both small and great, no matter who they are, in as much of the known world as he could get the gospel to. That was Paul's mission. That was his life's purpose. So another big opportunity came soon after that trial. Um, King Herod Agrippa II uh, and his sister Bernice, uh, Agrippa the sounds like a better man than his father, Agrippa the I. That's the guy that had James killed in Jerusalem and Peter arrested and put into prison and was um because he th- he thought it would make it more popular, uh, but he was struck down by God and eaten by worms. well, this Agrippa is is, is his son, and uh when, uh, when they came to town, Festus had this case. He doesn't understand because he's not Jewish. He doesn't know their religion. He's Roman. He's, he's a pagan. And uh, so he asked Agrippa and Bernice, you want to hear this case? Because Agrippa was a Jewish person. He understood the Old Testament. And uh, so here's what Festus says about Paul in verse 18 and 19. So when Paul's accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. So, yeah, here's the pagan perspective. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's something about this dead man named Jesus. Paul says he's alive, right? And, uh, you know, Festus was an unbelieving Roman. He didn't really understand Yet even he was actually able to see through to the heart of the matter, and what is that? That uh, the whole dispute was about Jesus was Jesus dead or alive, right? It was about the resurrection of the dead, and uh, you know the Bible says, uh, Paul writes in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, um, we preach the gospel. It's a stumbling block to the to the Jews. Uh, it's uh, well, to the Gentiles, it's foolishness. The gospel of the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, that's foolishness to the unbelieving world. But to the Jews, it was, it was a stumbling block. It was an offense because they didn't believe. They believed in a Messiah. They believed in a resurrection from the dead. But they didn't believe that Jesus was the one who it was supposed to be, right? And so they all heard the gospel. They responded in different ways, depending on who they were. Um, but uh, he, uh, the, so so Paul gets a chance again for the third time in Acts to retell his story. And remember, his goal up here is to share the gospel, to speak about the resurrection. And so, in his, in his defense speech, that's what Paul talks about. The resurrection from the dead is the hope of all Jews, which was promised throughout the Old Testament. It's not a new religion. It's not a new hope that Paul has been preaching, but a very old one. N.T. Wright, in the book Acts for Everyone, the book of Acts for Everyone, he says this, and I quote: His message about resurrection. A, that it is what we were all waiting for, and B, that it has happened, to our enormous surprise in Jesus, is at the heart of his claim that this changes everything at the same moment as fulfilling everything. It is the changes, of course, which are the controversial bits, but Paul's point would be that they are not changes for change's sake, nor changes because there was something wrong with the old ways, but changes because God's new world had arrived, fulfilling the promises to bless all nations through Abraham. And in th- that in this new world, it appeared that some things which Jews, himself included, had thought were fixed forever, had turned out to be quite deliberately, from God's point of view, only temporary. So he's talking about this hope in the resurrection. Uh, I've been to a number of funerals in my life. I've even performed a couple funerals. You guys have too, I'm sure. And uh, most of them, I, I knew were believers in Christ. So, so you know, when you go to a funeral, you have hope. But uh, sometimes not. And when you when you talk to people in our culture about a loved one who's passed away, my experience is almost always you're going to find people, whether they believe or not, no matter. Who this person was who passed away? Nice guy, mean guy, uh, or or what what they did, or th- um, treat, how they treated people, how they lived in their life. Usually, you're, you'll you hear people say, "Well, well, he's in a better place," or "I, his angel is flying up somewhere on the clouds," or you know. No matter what they believe, what what I find is that. Um, most people have this hope for a better place beyond this life a, a resurrection and uh, you know there are some people who don't but i think deep down deep even when i talked to people in communist china who said they were atheists deep down deep in their hearts there's something that that longs for eternity and and something better and uh, people have eternity in their hearts no matter how much they have tried to ignore or suppress it Uh, that's because god created us to long for it when we preach the good news of the resurrection it's going to strike a chord with people uh, no matter how deeply that might have been buried by the way they've lived and thought and and said they believed in Ecclesiastes 3:11, we see that. It says, "He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no man can fathom what God has done from beginning to end." It's interesting the two different responses that Paul got from uh, the two rulers, Festus and Agrippa, when he spoke about the resurrection. What did Festus say? He's a Roman. He said, he, at one point, he just yelled out, he shouted out, you're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. And that was in response to saying that Jesus rose from the dead. right? Yeah. It's the, 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 the unbelieving world thinks it's foolishness. Uh, Paul understands Festus's lack of background knowledge there. But he continues arguing his point with Agrippa uh, in verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, not a joke, except for these chains, right? Because he's bound up as a prisoner. And uh, there we see Paul's heart coming out. That's why he's standing there. He's taking advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit is leading him. You know, Paul really put Agrippa on the spot. Agrippa was a a politician, a slick politician. And, uh, you know, he was trying to be everything to... A sort of person I read about him that he's trying to be kind of everything to everybody. And uh, Paul put him on the spot publicly. But Paul reveals his heart as well as God's purpose in gathering all of them together on that day in that place. Paul, God wants the good news preached. And Paul is most concerned with that. Everyone needs resurrection life. And Paul is the messenger. It it reminds us of Jesus' words to Martha after Lazarus had died. Remember what he said to Martha before before he, he resurrected Lazarus? He said to her in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this and that's the big question the big question jesus jesus asked martha and martha actually did believe that's how she answered right but that's the question for every one of us do you believe this and it's a question for unbelievers because if they don't if people don't believe it there is a there's a resurrection for everyone and people will Jesus said people will either be resurrected to life those who believed in him or resurrected to judgment eternal judgment it's not a i die and i cease to exist anymore and that's it for me like um some people say they would they believe but uh there is a need for uh There's a need for salvation, and so that's why we need to preach the gospel. But for us believers, for Christians, do we really believe the resurrection as well? And if we do, then does that affect how we live? Because Paul is very bold, and there are situations where if you preach the resurrection, if you preach Jesus, we know we live in a world where a lot of people are under the influence and the power of the devil who's God's enemy and it's no coincidence that Christians end up getting persecuted in situations where nobody else does why is it that in our culture today tolerance is preached but one thing that is not tolerate tolerated by those tolerant people is Christianity Amen. right I'm not complaining that's what Jesus told us to expect Amen. but we need to understand that the reason that it, that is is because Jesus is the truth, and that there are powers that don't wanna see people get saved and set free, right? And they don't want people transferring from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, like we heard talking about in the story today. And so, um, you know, do we believe in that resurrection? Does that make us bold to preach the gospel no matter what the situation? There were times when I lived in China, there were certain times, Christmas and Easter, where it was, there was a lot of openness, uh, freedom for me in the communist college classes to speak the gospel in, in the name of the culture of our holidays. Christmas and Easter, our biggest holidays, revolve around Jesus. And so I would take advantage of that, those opportunities uh, but you know, I know I'm talking to a group of 50, 40 or 60 students, and some of them are going to hear, and it's going—they're all going to hear. Well, some of them might be not hearing, but uh, some of them are going to hear, and that message is going to stick, and it's going to grow. And other ones are going to hear, and they're going to say, "No, I'm a communist. I'm I'm part of the Junior Communist Party, and and I'm going to report." Mr. Steve, to, to, the, to, to my junior communist people. You know, so to me, there was always a tension. I felt this thing like Paul felt, like, woe is me if I don't share the gospel. I have been appointed in this situation to bring the truth to these people. And I don't know if anybody else is ever going to speak it to them. Amen. You know? And so I'd wake up and shower, and I'd feel this, like, I've got to preach the gospel today in the best way. Holy Spirit, help me to do it. And... Uh, but on the other hand, I'm like, but I'm also speaking the gospel to people who may or may not accept it, and it may cause me trouble. Now, I, I wasn't afraid of people throwing stones at me or even putting me in prison or whatever. Worst that could happen to us probably at that time was just getting sent home to America eventually. But um, But you will be in situations that are dangerous, where preaching a gospel is dangerous. How do we believe about the resurrection from the dead? Are we living to be safe in this life? Or are we living to follow Jesus and share the gospel? Are we, are we not afraid to die? Are we not afraid to suffer persecution because of the gospel? Because if our hope is in the resurrection, then, like Jesus said, whoever tries to save his life in this world will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will find it, right? And when we study Paul, that's one of the biggest things we see in him and we can learn from him is he wasn't afraid. He was not trying to save his life in this world. I mean, there were times the Holy Spirit said, do this, appeal to Caesar, right? So he does follow the Holy Spirit. He didn't want to die before his time, right? Because he wanted more opportunities to share the gospel. But he wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to be opposed or persecuted because his hope is in the resurrection. And he knew that their hope was in the resurrection too. They just needed understanding. They needed to be persuaded of what the truth was and how it fit. So uh, resurrection life is only found in Jesus. Amen? Amen? He is the promised Savior and Redeemer who the world and everyone in it has been waiting for. Whether they call themselves atheists or agnostics or whether they call themselves members of another religion, it's, He is at the heart of what has put, been put in their heart from the time they were born. And our job is to bring the new good news to them. Do you believe this? That's God's question. As Paul wrote in Romans 10:9 to describe this situation, uh, sorry, starting at verse 5 in Romans 10, he said, Moses writes about this, about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. In other words, your life comes from perfectly obeying the law. Not good news, right? Not good news at all. Not for me anyway, I don't know about you, but not, not good news. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. In other words, it's saying something like, uh, don't say, well, I will will be perfect. Because you're not going to be perfect. You're just going to have this idea of perfect that actually brings Christ down to your level. Or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. This is all quoted from Leviticus, I think, David, right? And uh, It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. So even in the Old Testament, Moses was writing like, There is redemption that comes from God that is apart from keeping the law. That's even written in the book of Leviticus. Moses knew that. And if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead remember, that's the whole question why Paul was on trial. Festus even figured that out you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved hallelujah hallelujah so all of us are charged with the same task as Paul to bring the words of God for salvation to all people the resurrection life that we are all looking for if not yet believing for because some people aren't believing yet but I guarantee you they're searching for it at some level that comes only through what jesus has already done for us on the cross and from rising from the dead amen Amen. and through us god is urging all people to believe the message and receive salvation however this is quite a daunting responsibility that we have and paul talks about it. it is charged with controversy Paul wrote to the Corinthians about what a powerful responsibility we've been given. And we know it in our society today, too. If you speak the name of Jesus, or if you speak the gospel, it's it's a controversial topic. Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. He says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Does everyone appreciate the, the aroma of the knowledge of Christ? Amen. Well, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. So some people do appreciate it. Right? Because he's, they know he is their salvation. And those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. <laughs> the stench of death. People don't like that. When people hear the truth and they don't want to follow it, what are we saying? There's a resurrection to judgment in hell forever. That won't make people happy. Unless they humble themselves and repent. Amen. Right, and if they haven't done that yet, and that's not saying that they won't ever, but if they're at the point where they're not ready to do that, they are. You are going to be the stench of death to them. In the words that you're saying, it's not saying you shouldn't say those words. It says you, you need to expect that. Paul says you need to expect that. Paul knows he's been stoned and left for dead. He's been beaten with rods and, and all kinds of stuff happened to him, uh, when he. Preach the gospel. Um, to the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Like, are you? Are you strong enough to do that? Are you equal to that task? And uh, here's what I felt like the Lord is say, was saying, and that's, I'm going to close with this. Like he did with Paul, God will take us to places and put us in positions to share the good news. He will. like, Especially the more you pray, God, help me, you know, help me to, do, I want to do what you want me to do. The more yielded you are to him, the more he will be able to use you, and he wants to use you to take the good news in whatever form he has for you to do for whatever group of people it's not the same for each of us but he's going to use all of us but not all respond in the same way or in the same timing which of us is up to such a task to some we're the fragrance of life and to other people you're going to be the stench of death in what you say and how you live even even how you live if you you know say I'm not going along with that because I belong to Jesus. They're not going to like it because you're putting out an indictment against their their behavior. But whoever believes the message will be saved and have life, both small and great people alike. Therefore, God wants us to be bold and obedient to speak the message. Amen. Amen. And it's the Holy Spirit, this is what we need to remember, it's the Holy Spirit who is in you if you believe, who will always give us the words to say, and he's the one that gives us the boldness and the grace with which to speak them. So remember this, he is leading us all the way. He is leading you. And just like, you know, we may not have the same gifts as Paul. We may not have the same exact calling as Paul. But we are all called to speak of Christ and the resurrection and bring that to the world around us. But he's given us the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Press into him and allow him to... um, Bring forth his kingdom and the gospel through you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that that we have hope. Even though on our own we are hopeless, but uh, you did not leave us in that way. We thank you that you are the hope of the world that you are not willing that any should be lost, but that all come to salvation through Jesus Christ, that the price has been paid. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you today. and We thank you for saving us. We thank you for your salvation. And Lord, if anyone here has not um, given their lives to you, Lord, we just lay our lives before you and say, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Wash them away because of the blood of Jesus that's been paid on our behalf. And Lord, we put our faith in you. And Lord, we want to follow you. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus is Lord, and we follow him. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us love for people. Give us grace. Give us your words. Give us everything we need. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have not left us alone. And today we offer ourselves to you. Um, to be agents of the gospel, to be your ambassadors here in the world, uh, where we work and where we live and the people we meet. Uh, Lead us, let us um, be your witnesses. And we thank you that no matter what happens to us, our hope is in heaven and we have eternal life with you. Help us to keep our eyes on you. We thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.